0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, amen. There have been uh, times in my life where I felt like God was providing uh, some help, uh, supernaturally intervening in my life when I desperately needed it. And often, and I don't take this lightly, it has to do with finances. And uh, I know that it's difficult to discern when God might be at work in your life, but these kinds of things have happened over and over again. Uh, In seminary, for example, uh, I had the great idea of going to seminary at the start of the Great Recession. Um, And uh, so that made finances difficult in what's already sort of a financially strapped time of life when you're in graduate school. But uh, despite the sort of difficulties, it seemed that scholarships would come. Uh, when I didn't apply for them. Uh, I'd get unforeseen jobs, or my wife Hollywood, She uh, was uh, pregnant. We had her first child in seminary, and she quit one job, and we had no idea in the second year what she would do. And somebody put on a listserv they were looking for a nanny. And just like that, within a week, uh, we were able to pay our rent the second year of seminary, um, a large tax return one year, several thousands of dollars that I was not anticipating, uh, rector at a church where I was interning, uh, when we were really struggling, uh, used his discretionary fund to buy a $500 gift card to Costco. Do you know how great that was to have this $500 gift card to Costco to buy some essential things? Uh, and the thing is, I forget when I'm in the midst of difficulties such as this in my life that uh, the Lord has provided. That provision has come. What I needed, at least the basics, being able to pay rent, being able to buy food, the basics have been provided. But when I'm in a similarly stressful situation, I simply can't see the, the forest for the trees and I look for help elsewhere. Uh, I might be praying, sort of, uh, you know, Lord have mercy, but I'm, I'm working the hamster wheel, you know, to, to sort of solve this situation on my own. Similarly to a captive Israel during a time of distress, Isaiah says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. What is meant by this steadfast and abundant love and compassion? Uh, again, that first verse, Isaiah says, I will recount this steadfast love of the Lord. Uh, the Bible up until this point has been a long story of the Lord providing, uh, even when people did not deserve it or when they least expected it. From, from the beginning, God shows compassion on all of humanity. After the fall, God tells the serpent who caused the fall, who tempted Adam and Eve, He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And this is the first promise of rescue, of salvation, of the Lord providing. But right after that, God provides something very material. This is, I love reminding people of this verse from Genesis chapter 3, because it seems that nobody's read it. Do you remember that God fashions garments for Adam and Eve? Remember, they were nervous because they were naked. And what does God do? He provides some garments from skins of animals to clothe them, to protect them, to provide for them, to cover their vulnerability uh, and their sin. The Lord provides. Or consider what God says to Noah after the flood. I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. The Lord will provide. He will never again crush creation in the way that he did with the flood. But when it comes to Israel, the nation of Israel in particular, consider Abraham and Sarah's son Isaac. His birth alone was a miracle. They were so late in age, years, decades beyond a childbearing age. And yet, here Isaac is born. When Abraham is near sacrificing the same son, God provides a ram instead. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Or consider Joseph and his brothers and the sort of beginnings of the nation of Israel. Joseph provide, uh, presides over the grain storehouses during a great famine, just as I was in seminary during the Great Recession. <laughs> Uh, Israel is uh, starving because of this great great famine, and their brother, whom they had exiled, is now presiding, one of the sort of viceroys of the pharaoh, over the the grain storehouses, and they have to come to him, and he provides them food. And they're able to come in Egypt and live for a time in safety and and have a, a time where they're able to eat. But Israel's situation changes in Egypt, and the Lord provides again, first with the Passover. They put the blood over the doorposts so that their firstborn won't be killed. And after that, the exodus from Egypt. They're provided a path out through the sea. But when they get to the other side of the the sea, they grumble, and they're hungry again. And yet the Lord provides manna, water from a rock, and even meat for them to eat. Or consider Joshua, whose name means Yahweh is salvation. Or you could think of it this way, the Lord rescues, the Lord saves. Joshua is able to lead troops to conquest a fortified city uh, through a sort of element of surprise. The city's walls fall by an act of God rather rather than by direct military assault. And it's all chalked up to God's provision uh, in that battle that the walls fall or consider the battle between young David and the the great Philistine champion Goliath David was not yet a king but we're told that he is a youth a boy his brothers were the ones who were the soldiers he couldn't even get the armor to fit on him because it was too big do you remember what he tells King Saul before he goes into battle with the Philistine Everybody's perplexed that this young boy thinks that he can defeat this Philistine champion. And he says, David says to Saul, I used to keep sheep for my father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and I took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defi- defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And indeed he does. And David gives all credit to that defeat uh, to the Lord God. And now here we are in Isaiah. Isaiah, whose name, like Joshua, also means Yahweh is salvation. Tells the prophetic story of a Messiah who restores the lost sheep of Israel and all of humanity. And here we are again. I'll repeat the verse from Isaiah uh, chapter 63, verse 7. Isaiah says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. Uh, he's speaking to uh, Israel who will be in captivity in Babylon, uh, a time where they're in desperation where they're not living in their homeland. When all the world around them seems to be crumbling and falling apart, Isaiah says, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. In the context of this chapter, at the very end of Isaiah, chapters 40 through 66, there's been a ton of ink spilled over whether or not Isaiah actually wrote those chapters or somebody else. Uh, because he seems to be talking not to the people in his present time, but to a future generation, to that Israel who will be in captivity in Babylon. And perhaps uh, this is his audience. is that future uh, nation in Babylon. Perhaps another way to think about it is that there's a universal application to what what Isaiah is talking about when he's speaking to Israel. In a sense, he's speaking to the whole of humanity. His audience includes us as well in chapters 40 through 66. It includes us, it it includes our troubles, it includes our idolatry, our false hopes, and our doubts. You know, just like me, uh, when I was in seminary and the Lord seemed to be providing, and yet I was trying to work and work and work to earn these things on my own, I couldn't see that uh and he, this these are the types of folks who are Isaiah is talking to it's a great read for a, a desperate person like me when i was in seminary or you and whatever you're going through whatever your doubts are whatever your needs are however you're wandering astray have you seen the uh, the new movie the animation movie the trolls based on the uh, the little <laughs> little uh little toy figures with the, the large hairdos. You know what I'm talking about? If you haven't seen it yet, actually, I've seen it twice. I have two children, and they each wanted to see it separately. Uh, I, I recommend seeing it. There's some parts of it that, you know, uh eh. but, but it's actually an interesting story. The, the, the movie, is, the story is about the pursuit of happiness. The, uh, the, uh, the subtitle of the movie is Find Your Happy Place. You know, it was a very pertinent sort of idea. Sort of thing that people talk about. Um, there, are, there are two types of uh, groups in the Trolls movie. Of course, there are the little trolls, which you all know, and then there are these sort of monstrous uh, trollish beings called the Bergens, which, who are much bigger than the trolls. And the trolls are happy, except for one guy named Branch. They're all happy, happy, happy. You remember the Lego movie? Everything is awesome! That's the trolls. Everything is awesome. You can't Nothing can bring them down. as Poppy is the main character, and she talks she has a song that says, "Nothing can bring me down. I'll get right back up again. They're just packets of happiness. The trolls, the Bergens are the complete opposite. And the only way they can get happiness is by eating the trolls, is by eating the trolls, by taking it inside of themselves. And they're like an idolatrous wandering humanity or Israel. Searching for happiness in the wrong place through another solution, Uh, namely by eating these trolls, these little uh, packets of happiness. Well, the movie ends with happiness coming to all the trolls, including Branch and the Bergens, uh, not through eating the trolls, but through acts of love. Now, the movie kind of gets it wrong because it talks about how you need to just find the happiness inside of yourself, but even they demonstrate that it comes through the acts of love, loving each other. The Bergens finally find love because the trolls love them, not because they eat the trolls. Are you following what I'm saying? It's basically a metaphor for all our modern ailments. We cry for junk food and gourmet meals when God seems content to give us ordinary manna in the wilderness. We worship pagan gods and celebrities who are just false idols, false prophets, false uh, messiahs, when God sends us messengers and has made himself clearly known as the one true God. We're searching for happiness by sort of eating the trolls, but that happiness comes from God. Outside of ourselves, through Him loving us, Well, recount God's love for you. You know, I don't know whether or not, I don't know whether it was God's providence or not in my life, in the past, especially during seminary, when these scholarships were coming through. I'll find that out on the other side of Jordan when I get to talk to God. But it sure felt like it. Recount God's love for you. You know, maybe uh, you haven't recognized God's providence in your life yet. Ultimately. I think he's less concerned about things like seminary finances. Uh, He's more concerned about seeking after us, like a shepherd does. Seeking after his lost and stolen sheep, like he did for Israel in Egypt, like he did for Israel in in the wilderness, and like he did for Israel in Babylon. Even if, like all these people, you've been a wandering lamb the great shepherd has compassion and steadfast love and abundance, even for you. Yahweh saves not only Joshua and Isaiah, but Yahweh saves you too. He saves us. And there's another person in the Bible whose name means Yahweh saves. Do you know who that is? Sunday school question? Jesus. Because his real name was Yeshua, like Joshua. Yahweh saves. Jesus is the good shepherd who has come to seek and save his lost sheep and deliver them from the mouths of lions and bears, whatever those might be, including Satan himself, including the things that bring us down, (laughs) including trying to find happiness in all the wrong places, like eating trolls or whatever it is for you. Uh, Jesus, the good shepherd, has come to seek and save those who are lost, and take them out of the mouths of lions and bears, even you. Amen.